Welcome back to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. I am your co-host, Susanna, and I'm joined here by your other co-host, my lovely, beautiful sister, Sarah. Hello. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Doing pretty good. A little nervous, but good. I know. I know the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So in the last episode, I shared my story, um, which honestly is really difficult to do because it's, well, it's difficult in a lot of ways, but it's almost like, what do I focus on? Like, how do I take, you know, years and years and years of a relationship and condense it mm-hmm. into a 30, 40 minute episode? But I trust that you will do great, Sarah. And um, what we're going to do is we're just going to give you a runway and a lot of space to tell us about your relationship with Leland and your walk with grief. So, um, We're going to go ahead and get started, and then at the end, I'll ask some open-ended questions. Um, But yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about your relationship with Leland. Um, You know, I I started in the childhood area of life, but Mm -hmm. you start wherever it feels right for you. Awesome. Thanks. Well, yeah. So you gave us a, a pretty good kind of overview of what our family looks like. So I'm the middle of the five kiddos in our family, and... Uh, Leland was six years old when I was born. And so we have a little bit more of an age gap between us. And so, you know, I think it wasn't really until a little bit later in both of our lives when we were kind of in the same phase of life, because, you know, as you think about it, the, the, the gap an age gap as, as a, as a really young kid feels a lot bigger and it just kind of closes as you get older. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while we were together a lot, I mean, we were homeschooled, like you explained, um, you know, he and I didn't have, you know, exactly the same kind of super close relationship like you and him did just simply because of that just age difference. We just, we weren't really on the same level for, for a while. Uh, but I think for me, you know, we really started to get close towards the end of my high school. And, um, I, I remember a really pivotal moment for us in our sibling relationship was, uh, for my 18th birthday, he uh, gave me just a really sweet and thoughtful gift. We were at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in Nashville, which he worked at the Ruth's Chris in Knoxville. And so, and now that I'm thinking about it, we went to Ruth's Chris like all the time. Like we went there for your graduation too in Chattanooga. And when I would visit him in Knoxville, I'd wait for him to get done with his shift at mm-hmm. Ruth's Chris. And I would just sit at the bar and he would send me like random side dishes and like cupcakes <laughs> Yeah, a lot of fond memories with uh, Ruth's Chris. Absolutely. So so anyway, we were at Ruth's Chris for my uh, 18th birthday, and he gave me this birthday gift. It was in an envelope, like a really normal, like a security envelope. It wasn't like a like a card he bought from Hallmark or anything. Uh, but anyway, he had decorated it on the outside to look like a, like a piano. I, I played the piano, and um, inside were two tickets he bought for uh, the two of us to go see this um, performance from, uh, it was Ben Folds and the Nashville Symphony and, uh, the Nashville Ballet. They did like this collaboration performance, uh, in three acts and it was incredible. And it really spoke to me. I mean, and I, I think that really shows just how intentional, you know, he was and just, you know, obviously how well he knew me. Uh, Like I said, I was a ballerina. I am a ballerina. Hello, I still do ballet, yes. um, but I did ballet all growing up too. And, uh, you know, he just really knew that that would be something sweet. And he and I shared a love for music and for creative arts. And so it was, it was just really sweet that, that that was something that he chose 
to do to give to me. And so, uh, anyway, it was a couple weeks after my birthday, the actual, um, you know, performance and we had a really fun time. We went and got Greek food and, um, we, we went to Nashville and, and, um, it was a really special experience and it was something that just like, I don't know. I just, I felt, I felt really, uh, I just felt really seen, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I really felt like he, he saw me and he saw what I loved. And, uh, so for us, I feel like that was a, a pretty pivotal moment in our sibling relationship. Um, and I like how you said it, like, you know, that was when we became friends, not to say that we weren't friends before that, but that was just kind of a moment where we were like, oh yeah, if this is you, this is me. You choose each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that was really sweet and uh, kicked off a lot of other live music events that we went to. Uh, we went to this Grimey's um, National Record Store Day performance extravaganza or whatever. So Nashville. Very Nashville. Uh, very grimy. Uh, anyway, and it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And so, you know, he and I really had a, a, a lot of our sweetest memories and, and closest moments um, really towards the end of his life. Uh, probably, you know, started about three or four years before he, he passed away is when we really got close. Uh, and for me, you know, I, I turned 20 and I was, um, well, actually I'll, I'll say before I was 20, I, I went to college close to Nashville, not in Nashville, but, but close. And he was living in Nashville at the time. And so we got to see each other a lot. I was, I was home a lot cause I wasn't having a great time in college. <laughs> and so we spent a lot of time together. We had a lot of phone calls, a lot of texting back and forth and, um, you know, just kind of sharing those early twenties woes, you know, that we kind of both had. And, oh, yeah. um, it was just, it was really sweet. And then, uh, I turned 20, I transferred schools. Uh, like I said, I just, you know, felt like there was something else out there for me. I'm also a pretty indecisive person. So it's really not uncommon for me to change my mind about things and try to, you know, try something totally different. And so, um, yeah, so I, I transferred schools. I transferred to, to Tennessee tech and uh, which is where I finished out my, well, I say finished out. <laughs> I still do in college as we previously <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> um, you finished out your undergrad. There. Yes. I finished out my undergrad there and, uh, he bought us tickets, um, Oh man, this was probably in August. Uh, he went to UT. Leon went to UT. Arguably, this was August of twenty sixteen. Of twenty sixteen, yes, yeah. Thanks for thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, twenty sixteen, which is it was just a couple of months before he passed away. Uh, UT was playing Tennessee Tech uh, for UT's homecoming game. Like obviously, it was going to be a really easy win, <laughs> <laughs> and so he was super excited and bought us tickets to go together. And he was really excited. He was like, you know you wear your Tennessee Tech t-shirt and I'll wear my UT t-shirt. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to like throw some drink on me or something for wearing a Tennessee Tech shirt. But uh, anyway, we were really excited and the game was the first weekend of November and um, he passed away, you know, October 16th in the middle of October. So unfortunately we didn't get to go to that game together. Uh, and actually dad ended up going with me, which mm-hmm. was really sweet. Um, but anyway, it just, you know, he just, we had a lot of experiences together. Like he just, he was starting to, to really have lots of experiences and he was really planning a lot of things for us to do, which I thought was really sweet. And, um, I feel really thankful that our relationship, you know, got to that point, um, at all. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for me and my relationship with him, you know, it's, it's obviously different from yours because we're two different humans, but, um, it's also different because, I don't have as many memories, you know, with him just because, like I said, we weren't in that same phase of life. Um, 
and I feel a really deep sense of, you know, losing what, what could have been for us. Mm. Uh, even though I know that we all feel that in, in some capacity, um, it just, there was something about it that just really made me sad that, oh man, it was just getting good, you know? Yeah. Not that it, again, had been bad to begin with, but it was getting to this moment. We were getting in this flow and, and you know, everything really kind of shattered. Um, so anyway, that's kind of like what our relationship was, was like up until, you know, the point of his death and, um, you know, I'll share a little bit about that. And, mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting, Susanna, to hear from your experience too, just literally how different our experiences were surrounding yeah. his passing. But, um, but yeah, like you mentioned, uh, we were in Orlando. Uh, so it was around my fall break and, uh, mom and dad were going to Orlando. Our dad is from, from Orlando. And they asked me if I wanted to come and I would have to skip, I would have had to skip two days of class. And I was like, no, I can't miss class. That's very much me. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, what am I doing? Like I can miss two days of class to go visit family. Like I can totally do that. Sure. And so I missed those two days of class and, uh, we drove down to Orlando and oh my gosh, it's a really long drive. And, uh, we were there, we spent time with family. Our extended family is in, is in Orlando. And, um, so Leland was at home taking care of our family dog. So he was actually staying at our parents' house. And, um, so anyway, so we had, we actually on, on, you know, on the 16th, um, we were at Disney. We spent Mm -hmm. the day at Disney world, which of course, we didn't know that, that he had passed away until the next day, but um, it does just feel really odd that that's how we spend our day. It's the happiest place on earth. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, I don't know, there's just something about that that feels, I guess, very ironic. But anyway, so uh, on Monday, that Monday the 17th, which, like we said, was our parents' 29th wedding anniversary, I was at, actually I was at a friend's house in Orlando, uh, a former ballet teacher of mine and, and her family lived in Orlando and she had just had a new baby and uh, she and I had made plans to see each other. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. And so uh, my dad took me to her house and dropped me off. And then I, I think she lived kind of near where his dad is buried. And so, you know, his plan was to go and visit his dad's grave while I was with you know, my friend spending some time with her, seeing her new baby. And, uh, she has some other kids too, but you know, it's all about the new baby. Totally. <laughs> uh, and then to come back and, and pick me up afterwards. So anyway, he, uh, was late. He was late to pick me up, which was, well, I, I want to say it's strange, but it, it really wasn't strange. I didn't really think about the fact that he was late other than I was hungry. Like it was lunchtime. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, when's my dad coming back to pick me up? And, um, it was really kind of strange because like, our cousin sent me a text and was like, can you send me the address where you are? And I was like, uh, yeah, fine. But I really didn't think anything of it. I was, right, right. I just, I didn't think anything. And he came to get me and my uncle came with him and, uh, they were in our uncle's car. And I was like, oh, this is kind of, that's a little Odd. strange, but you know, we're a big family and things change all the time. So it's, it wasn't really that strange to me, I guess. So anyway, uh, he and I got in the car, we was parked on the street in front of her house and, um, dad got in the back seat with me and, um, uncle Danny got in the driver's seat and I was like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
dad was like, well, I, I need to tell you something. Like I, I, he said, I got some bad news from back home. And I was like, okay, what? And he said, um, well, Leland was in an accident. And I remember that time just like really froze. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was angry and I remember like in a matter of like two or three seconds being angry with Leland and being like, oh my gosh, he's probably hurt. He's probably going to have to be in the hospital for a long time and we're going to have to, because I could tell it was serious, you know, but in my mind he was alive. Like he was alive and he was hurt and this was going to be like this long journey and oh my gosh, this is like kind of wrecked our lives and like what if, you know, now we're all going to have to be taking care of him and like what if I have to take time off of school? It was literally like... In a few seconds, my life was just like, okay, what if he's in a wheelchair forever? And now we have to take care of somebody in a wheelchair, which was, yeah, such a really sad thought as I say it out loud right, that, that right. I would have thought that something like that would have been a burden. Um, and dad didn't really say anything else. And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, yeah, he's okay though. Mm-hmm. Like I said it, I was not a question, like he's okay. And dad just, he was like, he didn't survive and it was like in a moment I wanted that back what I just had what I was just so angry about Mm. and the thought that like oh no 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 I want that I I I I want him to be in a wheelchair forever I or I want him to you know not obviously not that I wanted that but that seems so much more desirable to have him broken but still here or um not to say that somebody who's physically disabled is broken, but you, you know, you know what I'm saying. Right. So it's like, I, I understand what you're saying. It was just all of a sudden I wanted something that like four seconds earlier I resented. Right. Right. And that was just a really, yeah, it was just a really interesting feeling. And, um, I like you just really let out this, I don't want to say scream. I don't want to say cry. It was just like, it was like everything that was in me just like, deflated all at once and I just like let out everything that was inside me right and I asked my knuckle my uncle my knuckle my uncle (laughs) not to drive yet because I I thought I was gonna be sick I really like yeah I was like I'm 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 going to be sick um and I asked my dad I was like but what about our football game I remember saying that I was like we have a game to go to. Like he can't, he can't be dead. Like yeah. in my mind, I was like, no. And it just felt so confusing. And I just, I went to this place of like, well, th- there's no way. And I right. was like, well, did they find his wallet? Like it had to be somebody else. I mean, Leon was like six foot two, brown hair, brown eyes. He looks like everybody else. Like right, right. They, they had, he, he had to have been confused with somebody. Like there's no way this like could be real. Right. And it didn't even feel like denial. It just literally felt like you had me confused for someone else. Right. And you have him confused with somebody else and somebody's lying to you or like, this is some sort of a sick joke. Like it just, it wasn't real. And it's not that it didn't feel real. It's like, to me, it was not real in that moment. Right. Um, and uncle Danny drove us back to their house and it was a really long drive. It felt like, um, and I tend to get car sick anyway. And we're like all over these Orlando freeways. And I was just like, get me the hell out of this car. Like yeah. I do not want to be here. Uh, and then when we got back to, um, aunt cookie and uncle Danny's house, uh, Camille had actually packed up all of our stuff. 
Mm. And so all of our suitcases, we weren't supposed to leave until the next day. All of our suitcases were packed up and like put in there for a year. And I was like, oh, it, it is real. Like these other people know about this. And our cousins were there and they just sat with me and I just, it was like a cry, but it was a different type of a cry. And it, yeah, it was just, it was just really strange. And uh, there were even people like from my dad's childhood who were there, who I didn't know who they were. And I was just, and again, I was like, this isn't real. I don't know these people. Yeah. Um, now we do know these people. Like, obviously they were there for the right reason, but um, it just felt really confusing. I just, I felt really confused. Yeah. Uh, and we left. So we, once we got everything packed up, we, we caravaned and um, it was a really long drive a long drive already and we stopped about every hour um to get something to drink to go to the bathroom to you know something and it was just we just kept having to stop um because we would just kind of like come unhinged a little bit and you know what's really interesting is um I saw a counselor really soon after I found out actually about two days after we found out about all this and later on, in a few sessions later, she told me that um, actually one of the worst things <laughs> that someone who has just been through such an, an extreme traumatic event can do is be in a confined space for a long period of time, oh. like a car. Yeah. So I haven't done my own research about that, but I, obviously I trust her. She's I believe a professional. It. I believe it. And so, um, yeah, she just explained to me how a lot of times that can kind of compound the trauma because you literally are trapped. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, okay, so I'm doomed, <laughs> mm. which I'm not. I know that now. Um, but it, for a long time, it felt like that. Like, mm. oh, this it's going to be bad forever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think that was just kind of interesting. Another thing that felt, yeah, I don't know the word to use, ironic maybe. Honestly, kind of cruel <laughs> to me. I... Um, I mentioned I saw a counselor pretty soon after that. So I had worked with a counselor for about a year. Um, I started seeing her when I was about 19. And um, Can you give us like the year reference? Yeah. So I started seeing her summer of 2015. Okay. And, and Leland's accident was October of October 2016. October 2016. Exactly. Okay. So um, I saw her about weekly or so. I, I just, I went through this season of depression um, between when I was about 19 and 20 and I still can't tell you why. I mean, I don't know why it happened. And anybody who's gone through that knows there's not always a why. Sure. There's not always something you can point to, something that kind of tipped you into a, you know, a, a year-long season of depression. Sometimes sure. it just happens. Sure. Um, but I'm really thankful that I got to know her. And um, I was on some medication for, um, you know, probably about eight or nine months. Um, and then it just, it felt like I was coping with life. You know, I, I felt better. It was about... Late summer of 2016, I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm good. Like, and I told my counselor that. And um, as someone who's been to a lot of counseling, I can tell you, you know, the the point where it feels like, okay, it's you know, it's time to stop. I guess is when it feels like you're just more having like a conversation with a friend. And that's sure. the point that I got to is, it just kind of felt like I was going catching her up on my life, and you know, that was kind of it. And so I knew, okay. I'm, I feel good. Like, I feel like I've, I've gotten into this flow and I started to wean off my medication, which for an antidepressant, there's a, a long period of time when you, it doesn't have to be long, but there's a period of time when you yeah. wean off of the medication. So yeah. I actually weaned off of it at the end of September and about three weeks later, Leland passed away mm -hmm. and it felt really cruel. It did. 
that I felt like I had conquered something that was really hard and a big burden for me. Um, and then literally the worst thing I could have possibly imagined happened. It just, it, it just felt really cruel. So anyway, I hadn't seen this counselor in probably about two months. Uh, but I reached out to her, you know, we, we, uh, we found out on Monday, we got home, I think about three o'clock in the morning that night and, or Tuesday morning, I guess, technically. And on Tuesday, I reached out to her, asked if I could, you know, if there was any way she could see me or something. And she, I, I went to, to her office and, uh, on, on Wednesday, the next day. Yeah. And his visitation was Thursday and his funeral was Friday. And so, um, I'm really thankful that I was able to do that. I was Mm. really thankful to be able to see her because I was 20. I, I had been to a few funerals, but I didn't know how they worked. Yeah. And it was like, all of a sudden I wasn't this like audience member. I was like, everyone's looking at you. Absolutely. I was like a participant in this event. And, um, I just had all these questions and and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later in early grief, but I had these questions that I wanted to ask somebody about like the logistics of what happens. Like, okay, well, where's this and how does this happen? And who takes care of this or that? And I, I was afraid to ask anybody else. Right. Um, I'm not sure why I was afraid, but I was, <laughs> and I'm really thankful that I was able to see her. Yeah. Um, and then I, I continued to see her until a little after the new year. So probably about four or five months I saw her, um, again, regularly until I felt like, um, you know, it was, it was okay for me to kind of continue on. And then, um, in more recent months and, uh, you know, years I've, I've sought counseling for all sorts of different reasons, but, um, and, and something else I, I, I think I recently shared with, with you even is new grief usually brings up old grief. Mm. And so, uh, you know, in, in different parts of our life, as we experience different types of loss and different types of grief that can bring up old grief. Yeah. And so, um, that's something that I'm, I'm really not afraid to be like, okay, where's my counselor? Make an appointment with somebody because I can tell that, you know, if something comes up, even if it's something small, um, it can, it can bring up that old grief. Right. So, uh, you know, I would say, you know, the biggest thing for me as, you know, as things kind of changed and, and progressed, uh, after Leland's accident, um, was I had a lot of, I don't know, I just, I felt a big shift in my relationship with God, which I know you shared a little bit about, um, two Sue's and, you know, I don't, I, I, I won't say that I ever stopped believing in God. Right. But I stopped believing that God was good. Yeah. And that's a really scary place to be, mm-hmm. to believe in a God that is sovereign, that's all powerful and isn't always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that wasn't my personal experience. Mm-hmm. My personal experience was not a God who works all things together for the good of those who love him. Right. Everything was not worked together for my good in that moment. And, right. Um, yeah, I just, I really felt just this, I just felt in the dark. I felt kind of abandoned by God. Like I knew he was still there and I still believed in him, but it just was like silence. I just remember feeling just this silence from God. And, you know, for me personally, a way that I feel like I've always connected with the word is in worship. And that's always, like I said, music is just, I don't know. I just, I love it. And I take a lot of, I find a lot of joy in it. And, um, that's always been the way that I just, I really felt connected with God. And I, I remember a really, 
I just remember very clearly I was at this conference for college women's ministry that I was a part of uh, in Nashville and hello music city. So they had like the most incredible praise and worship for like three yep. days straight. Yeah. Like the best you could ask for. Yeah. <laughs> and in a place where I would usually just feel almost like this transcendent experience and like, and really feel connected to God. I felt nothing. And I almost felt like I couldn't hear the music. Mm. Like it was just like it wasn't, it wasn't getting to me, and not even like it wasn't getting to me. I felt like I wasn't even there. And all around me were all these people, and I could see them like just like praising and you know arms raised or kneeling, and like it was just really powerful for all these people around me. And I just felt that was a moment when I felt like, oh, I feel like God's left me, because mm. all these other people have something that I don't have anymore. Mm. And, um, it was scary. I was afraid. I was like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Do I not believe in God anymore? But I do like, you know, it's like all these fears and and nobody really talks about that. Right. And I felt like I was asking a lot of really hard questions and, um, that's okay. Yeah. I just want to say that. It's wrestling with those wrestling with God questions. It's yeah. Yeah. It's okay. And, and I still, I still completely believe that, that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in reading the Psalms, I think <laughs> somebody asked me once like, oh, what's been a verse that's really been comforting to you or like a chapter, Psalm 88. It's the only Psalm where there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. It's literally, it's not, it's not David, but it's a Psalmist who's just weeping. And, and, and even one, one of the verses says like, my eyes are wasting away in my head from all the tears. Like I can't see mm-hmm. out of my eyes because I'm crying so much. And it's just, I mean, it's really kind of depressing, but yeah. That, that resonates absolutely. so deeply. Absolutely. And I thought, wow, okay, yeah. If a psalmist can ask these questions and to say to God, like, why? Why have you done this to me? Why have you dealt so harshly with me? I feel like absolutely it's okay for me to ask my hard questions totally because I, I choose to believe that, that a relationship with God, you know, for me personally, that's whole is not one where I'm just kind of dragged around and I'm like, okay, I'm going to believe that this is all going to work together and be great. And there's something positive in here. No, it's okay to ask those really hard questions. And so that's where I felt like I got, you know, for, for me personally. Um, and there was a moment for me that I felt, like things really changed. I had a, a really sweet friend reach out to me um, and invite me to a Young Life Bible study um, in college. And uh, I went and it was, a, it was a book study for one of Jerry Bridges' books. And I would highly recommend any of Jerry Bridges' work. <laughs> um, but I really loved it. And we finished that book and we started another Jerry Bridges book and then another one. <laughs> and um, one of the books that we read was called uh, The Fruitful Life. Mm -hmm. And it's about the fruit of the spirit. And each chapter was about a different fruit of the spirit. And it talked about how God um, has, has each of these characteristics in himself. Like he doesn't just expect this of us when, you know, he doesn't just expect these things from us. Like he also displays these things. So anyway, there was a chapter about gentleness Mm. and I, I didn't read it. I didn't read the chapter. I I, I went to the Bible study that week, but I didn't read it because I was like, no, that's not my experience. Yeah. My experience is not a God who's gentle. My experience is a God who is, you know, 
unpredictable mm. and who's harsh. And so I, I don't know this God. And I'm really glad that I still went <laughs> because, like I said, it was a really pivotal moment for me. Um, anyway, and, and in, the, in the chapter, um, Jerry Bridges talked about this uh, one particular passage in Isaiah where, um, yeah, it just describes God as really gentle. And it, and it says, a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. In his faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. And that was really powerful for me because it acknowledged that, oh, uh, yeah, I'm that really dimly burning wick. But he's not going to put that wick out. He's not going to put that flame out. Mm. And I'm that bruised reed, that bruised plant, and he's not going to break me. I'm not useless to him, even though I am bruised. And um, that's not to say that, like, oh, and then my life changed and everything became great because yeah. a lot of these things still remain and linger. Right. And um, I think that just that just kind of, it was a little bit of a shift in perspective for me. Sure. It's really powerful stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, I think for me, one thing that I've just kind of really struggled with um, you know, as you, as you shared about, you know, kind of feeling angry and, yeah. um, and I know we'll get more into this when we talk about early grief, but, um, was being jealous of other people, like being jealous of other people's problems, which yeah. sounds really strange, but, um, you know, I remember a friend talking to me really shortly after Leland passed about her parents failing marriage and, you know, how her siblings were really struggling with kind of like whose side to be on. Mm. And I just remember looking at her and thinking, uh, I think I'm about to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds really hard. You know, okay, I'm really sorry about that. And in my mind, I was thinking, I wish the hardest thing in my life was that all my siblings were still alive. You yeah. Know? Obviously, I wouldn't want something like that to be my story. Sure. I'm not saying that that is a good thing to have, but it just seemed or more Or less desirable. hurtful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just struggling with some, just with some jealousy there. And, and I think too, like you touched on feeling really lonely and feeling really isolated. You know, I was 20, I was 20 years old when he died and, um, I didn't expect to bury a sibling until we were all old Yeah, and it was time for all of us to die. (laughs) Like that's not something I ever anticipated. I mean, I never, ever thought that I would have to watch my parents bury their their child like that was not something I ever anticipated and um you know I I was all of a sudden thrust into this world where you know I was grieving and I didn't feel like I had anybody my age I really didn't have anybody my age who had walked through you know anything losing anyone younger than a grandparent yeah um and I actually was I was volunteering in a local ministry at the time when he passed away and I remember going back and it was like you know, 60 and 70 year old women and feeling like, oh, these are my people. Yeah. Like, these are my people because you don't usually make it to 60 years old without having to bury a couple of people, like yeah. maybe your parents or, um, you know, maybe a friend or something. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this has really kind of aged me. And it does. Oh yeah. I think that grief, I think trauma, it, it ages you. And, um, I even saw this meme once, which I'm like meme queen. Yes, you are. And uh, it said, um, 
like one person says, oh, wow, you're so mature for your age. And the other person says, thanks, it was the trauma. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really sad and it's really true. Yeah. Because I do think, I think it aged me in a way that I wish it didn't. But um, I also want to say this. I, I would never say that I'm thankful in a million years right. for what's happened to us. Right. I feel zero gratitude right. for walking through the loss that we walked through. And I will also say I experience now a different dimension of life that I didn't experience before. Yeah. And, you know, some people talk about, you know, you lose someone and it's like you see the world in different colors and, and absolutely. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I'm thankful that I get to experience life in a really different way. And, um, it almost feels like, um, okay, this might sound kind of weird. It almost feels like dog years. It feels like every year I experience seven years. Yeah. And every day I experience seven days. Yeah. Because, and I share this at your wedding, Suze. <laughs> that was a, quite a bummer of a speech that I gave as a maid of honor. Okay, actually, I'm going to issue a correction to that oh, statement. It was the most incredible speech ever. And I literally can't say anything more or else I'll start weeping. But it was a beautiful speech. Well, and thank you. Yeah. I appreciate I can't, that. I can't say <laughs> it's just not, it's not normal for people to talk about death at a wedding, I don't think. <laughs> but we're not normal people, so that's fine. We're feelers. Uh, but, you know, something I shared was losing somebody at a young age and, and walking through what we have walked through together. The small things get a lot smaller and the big things get a lot bigger. Yeah. And that's what I mean when it feels like every day I experience seven days. Yeah. Because the small things that I felt like used to trip me up or take so much of my time, I don't even see those things. Right. It's not like I choose to ignore them. It's like they never even happen. Yeah. Yeah. And the big things, the milestones, you know, the graduations, the weddings, the, you know, and even kind of the the smaller milestones, they are huge. They're huge moments now. Yeah. And it just feels like the world stops when those things happen. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, just thinking about the fact that we get to experience life in that way. It's like almost a more authentic, Mm -hmm. you could approach it a lot of different ways, but I think we have specifically chosen to approach it in a more authentic, like cut the crap, mm-hmm. give us the real stuff, give us the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, a really special way to experience life mm-hmm. from that lens and perspective. Not that we asked to ever experience life from mm-hmm. that lens or perspective, but that's just where we are. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually going to ask you, you know, how um, how things have changed since mm-hmm. Leland's passing. And I, I think you answered that beautifully just now. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to that? How things have changed? Yeah, I do. Um, it's a big question. You know, I don't ever want to say or even come across as somebody who's like, you know, if you just look at the bright side, you'll be able to get over it. Yeah. No. As if there's something to get over here. Yeah. Um, 
because I, I think that's, you know, culturally, that's something that's expected is that like, if you're not growing and becoming a better person, like you're not grieving, right? You're not doing this right. Right. And so I really want to emphasize it's okay to never see the bright side. Like it's okay. And, and I don't even feel like that's where I'm at. I think that my perspective has shifted, but I don't feel like I have this like Pollyanna just kind of easy view of everything and oh well this is why this happened I have no idea why this happened I don't know it still it still feels cruel yeah and so I just want to I just want to be really clear that you know my heart isn't that oh this is how I got over it or this is how I started living in a different way or or anything like that I mean it's still really hard yeah yeah and it's still really deep and I, I think of a visual for me is that, you know, number one, we don't ever get over it. We don't ever move on. I hate that phrase, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We, we'll get into it. I was about to it. spout off all <laughs> of the platitudes that yeah. make me want to scream. Yeah. But hang but, tight. We'll cover those. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, the, the load that is my grief, like let's say it weighs 500 pounds. It's never gotten lighter, right? It has never gotten lighter. It's been four and a half years, the next 10 years, the next 50 years, it will not get lighter. It's that, you know, it's almost like my muscles have gotten stronger. Yeah. And I still carry around this same gigantic 500 pound weight and it has not changed. Right. I have just had no choice but to haul it around and so my body has changed and adapted. Yeah. So I, I want to kind of give it that perspective. That, That's a good visual. You know, it, it does never get smaller. Right. I don't think of Leland any less frequently. Yeah. But, you know, the, the way that I live and, the, you know, just, just my, my muscles and my emotional muscles, those are the things that have changed. Not that they've gotten better. They've just changed and evolved over time. Right, right. So I think that's beautifully said and thanks. Um, thank you so much for putting your heart out there and sharing your story. And, um, I'm really proud of you and I love you dearly. And, um, do you feel like you can exhale? Yeah, a I little do. bit. I do. But I feel like I have so many more things to say. I know. I know. As <laughs> I want to say it all at once. I know. As you were just talking, I'm like, Oh, I have, I have that memory with Leland and oh, mm. I forgot. I, I felt that way too, you know, during the, you know, ceremony for his funeral mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's, there's a lot to unpack here and we, this is our show yes. and no one else's, no one else's show <laughs> and we can unpack it as much as we want. Mm-hmm indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm really thankful for you and thanks. Um, yeah, so that, that wraps our, our stories, our stories. Um, thanks for for the time being. So, (laughs) but when we return, we're going to continue to unpack grief and, um, just explore, uh, like Sarah said, early grief. And this is in no particular order, but we'll also talk about platitudes and Mm -hmm. we're going to speak directly to, um, the support person mm-hmm. of someone who is grieving and, um, you know, really look at that. And, um, we, we have a lot of stuff to, to tackle and unpack, mm-hmm. but we're really thankful, um, 
for our listeners, whoever you are, wherever you are. Yeah. We um, love you. We love you. <laughs> Please <and> come back. <laughs> you know, we're fun people, but we also lean into the the hard and messy stuff. Absolutely. And um and I think that this is a really beautiful way to tribute mm-hmm. our brother and um to give space to our grief. Me too. Thanks, sis. Alrighty. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.